Welcome to Where Parents Talk. My name is Leanne Castellino. Our guest today is a clinical psychologist, family therapist, author, and teacher. Dr. Anne Fischel is also an associate clinical professor of psychology at the Harvard Medical School and director of the Family and Couples Therapy Program at Massachusetts General Hospital. She's also co-founder of the Family Dinner Project, a nonprofit initiative that helps families conquer obstacles that get in the way of family dinners, both through in-person and online strategies. Dr. Fischel is also a mother of two, and she joins us today from Boston. Thank you so much for making time to be here today. Thanks for having me. Dr. Fischel, I'd like to jump right into the science and ask you about what is the most compelling research that's been done around why family dinners are important? Yes, well... it is compelling research. It's 25 years of dozens and dozens of studies that show when families have dinner together, it's great for the body, the brain, and the mental health of kids and adolescents. And it also turns out that family mealtime is also good for the mental health and nutrition of adults. Um, so, you know, if we just sort of talk about that a little bit more. Um, in terms of the benefits to the brain. Um, When kids have regular family dinner and they're very young toddlers, the organic language that they learn around the table is just chock full of unusual words that when they hear in the context of their parents telling stories about what happened during the day, they pick up that vocabulary. And when kids have bigger vocabularies, they learn to read earlier and more easily than kids with slimmer vocabularies. And then all through uh, elementary school and high school, family dinner is associated with um, higher grades and higher achievement scores. So that's on the brain and the academic side. And then on the physical side, even when we don't try too hard, family meals tend to be smaller in portion size and less packed with sugar and salt and fat than restaurant equivalents. Um, And kids who grow up having family dinner, when they're on their own as young adults, they tend to be less obese and also to eat more healthily if they grew up having regular family dinners. And then for me as a family therapist, probably the most exciting and compelling research are the mental health benefits. So family dinners are associated with lower rates of depression and anxiety and substance abuse and tobacco use and eating disorders. Um, So I, I sort of half joke and say that I could almost be out of business as a family therapist, if more families had regular dinners together, because there's so much um, mental health nutrition and actual nutrition that happens at the dinner table. It really is. And the way you explain it all in terms of, you know, the, the, the science in terms of the body and the health uh, and um, the spirit really uh, is really compelling. So why do you think that this is not happening on a more regular basis in more households? Well, it's a simple idea, but it really isn't such an easy idea. Um, And when I've gone around the country talking to hundreds of families about what gets in the way, what what are their challenges, 
the same five or six issues keep popping up. You know, we're too busy. Our schedules don't align. You know, a parent is working two jobs and one of them is right through the dinner hour or kids are going to rehearsals and soccer practices and they can't come to dinner. Um, picky eaters, both kids and adults. Um, you know, what's the point of going to the trouble of cooking if my kids don't like what I've made or my partner turns it away? Um, too much conflict at the table. Why bother again to have dinner if everyone's just going to fight and not have a good time? Um, budget constraints, you know, how expensive it, it is to uh, make a healthy meal with, with good ingredients um, would be another one. And then sometimes parents will say, well, I've just given up on having my teenagers come to dinner. I mean, they don't want to come. Um, they'd rather eat with their friends or by themselves in front of the computer, which really isn't borne out in the research. When asked, teenagers say, 80% say they would rather have family dinner with their families than with their peers or, or alone. Um, my dog has just entered in that way that dogs have a way of entering <laughs> on Zoom calls. There she goes. <laughs> um, so, um, and then, so we're I was just talking about teens before the dog came in. At the other end, parents will sometimes say, um, what's the point of dinner with young kids when they can only sit still for a couple minutes? So we have all of these challenges. And then there are other challenges too for kids with sensory sensitivities that may, be, may come with kids on the spectrum, um, trouble sitting still with kids who have ADHD, um, trauma that maybe happened in a family when there was uh, intimate partner violence or uh, abuse being shown at the table. And those kids then, even when they go to a foster family or are raised by grandparents, may have a hard time just feeling relaxed at the dinner table. So there are all kinds of things that, that get in the way. Um, so what would you say to families? And you've you know, enumerated a whole list of, yes. of, of, of very, um, again, compelling different reasons that this might not work in every family. But then again, when you look at the research as to the benefits of, of, and the impact of family dinners, such important findings. So how can parents prioritize family meal times in their homes? Well, there, the Family Dinner Project, which I started in 2010, um, I co-founded in order to make it more accessible, more doable, easier, more meaningful for more families to be able to enjoy family dinner, um, to make the simple idea an easier one. So, you know, I should say there are tons of free resources at that uh, website, thefamilydinnerproject.org. In general, I think, um, you know, the advice to any family who would like to start having a family dinner practice or is having trouble doing it, I would say, you know, keep it as simple as possible. You know, remember that 
yes, you have to have food, but food is the least important part of a family meal. So it, family, the food is what brings everybody to the table, but what really accounts for the benefits is a warm, welcoming atmosphere at the table. You know, kids feeling that their parents are interested in hearing what they have to say, parents feeling like they can relax a little bit, have a few laughs. This is what's really the secret sauce of family dinner. So, you know, the first thing is to not worry too much about um, making a gourmet meal or three course or heirloom tomatoes, you know, it, um, simple is fine. A meal you can make in your sleep is fine. A meal with pantry ingredients or takeout or using shortcuts. This, you know, this is perfectly great. Um, and then, you know, start with where you are. If you've never had a meal together as a family, you know, try to have one meal a week and maybe that's breakfast. Maybe dinner just doesn't work for your family because of scheduling impediments. So maybe one great breakfast, maybe Sunday morning, um, you set the intention with your family that we're going to eat together. We're going to play some games at the table. We're going to have a good time. Um, and maybe if you have one positive meal like that, it will lead to others. Um, and then I ask families, you know, if you think about a meal that you've had with your family or that you had growing up, what made it enjoyable? Um, let's do more of that. Let's um, start with what is really interesting, meaningful, fun for your family. And maybe that is focusing on the, the cooking and the conversation around the cooking or maybe it's um, making placemats, or maybe it's uh, playing a fun, fanciful game at the table, or having a conversation jar like this with a lot of funny conversation starters that you put kerplunk in the middle of the table and people pull them out when they are stuck and they don't really know what to talk about. Um, you know, what was, what book did you most, what book character did you most wish could be a friend of yours? Or what's your favorite season? Or what's your first memory? Or uh, what do you do to relax? You know, there are hundreds of thousands of conversation starters that can just be at the ready for a family. So, you know, I try to think how, what kind of commitment could the family make once a week, twice a week, breakfast, dinner, lunch, intentional snack at nine o'clock at night? Um, how can they simplify it so it's less daunting? Maybe people can help if the burden of making a meal has fallen on one person, often the mother. Um, and how can it be more fun? And how can it be more meaningful? Um, and maybe that's talking about more interesting things, talking about news items, telling stories uh, uh, about the family. So these might bring more meaning too. Absolutely. Lots of ingredients, certainly simple ingredients that go into making for a successful family mealtime. Let me ask you, Dr. Fischel, what was the catalyst that led you to being a co-founder of the Family Dinner Project? Well, I think there were several things. Family dinner was very important uh, growing up. It was one of the few rituals that my family of origin um, really 
devoted themselves to. We didn't do birthdays much. We didn't do um, other kinds of holidays in our home, but we really did family dinner and there was lots of lively, interesting conversation. And I know a lot of things that I learned as a family therapist, I learned around that table. Um, and then when my second son was born, my husband gave up smoking and he was miserable, absolutely miserable. Um, and I thought, what can I do to make life a little more pleasant for him? And I thought, well, I could try to make a tasty meal once a day. And so I had these two little boys and um, turned out they loved to putter in the kitchen with me and they liked to stir the soup and pull basil leaves off the stems. And then it also turned out that anything they put their little sticky hands on, they also wanted to eat. And they became very adventurous eaters. And then later, not much later, really adventurous cooks. And it also, mealtime became kind of a central part of my family life. Um, and then one night I had a kind of a professional epiphany. Uh, I see families and couples in my home office, or at least I did pre-pandemic. And I was seeing a family and I had popped a roast chicken in the oven. It was about six o'clock and I was sitting in down below with a father and son and they were very irritable with one another and it was very tense and it was one of those hours that I wasn't feeling good about but then it got worse because we all started to smell my roast chicken wafting through the air vents that you know kind of garlic lemony delicious chicken neeness and the teenage boy turned to me and he said could we stay for dinner and I thought oh no not only can you not stay for dinner, but we're having this lousy family session right through your dinner hour. And you're probably going to leave here, go to a fast food restaurant, not talk. And at that moment, I thought I should just stop this hour, hand them a cookbook, say, go home and cook something together and eat it together. And you'll be so much better off than sticking out this terrible session. And you know, I didn't say that, and but I I knew by then some of the research that I was mentioning at the beginning um, about how beneficial family dinner is for families. So then I thought, well, is there a way other than families coming to therapy? Is there a way that families could use this sort of low hanging fruit, this other opportunity that families could take every single day of the week? to come together like they do in family therapy, but to do it free and organically. And, um, and, you know, if I could think of some ways to make it easier and have more families benefit from that, how great would that be? So that was sort of the genesis for me um, of thinking about the family dinner project. And um, I wrote a, a book home for dinner uh, which was also about my experiences as a family therapist and, and mom um, about making family dinner easier and 
all the benefits that come from it and how to get kids to talk at the table and all of that. Such a wonderful story, Dr. Fischel. And, and I wonder, uh, you know, now in the 12th year of the Family Dinner Project, uh, which started in 2010, what would you say has struck you most about what you've learned as, as this project has continued and this initiative has, has expanded and grown? I think what strikes me over and over again is the um, limitless creativity and innovation of families. So, you know, I started out with lots of my own ideas about how to help families with the different challenges that I mentioned. And over the years, I have learned double, triple, quadruple those workarounds to everyday challenges, you know, things I never would have thought of in a, in a million years. And I keep track of them. And we wrote another, we wrote a book as a team called Eat, Eat Laugh, Talk that sort of incorporated a lot of the ideas we've learned from families. But that's something that keeps striking me over and over again. You know, just when I thought I had heard every workaround, um, there's something else. So I'll just share one um, that just kind of, to me, epitomizes this. A father, a uh, divorced dad with three girls, um, had the girls every weekend, and he really wanted to have family dinner with them. And they really were not interested. So they would, he would make dinner and they would eat it. And as soon as they were done, they would run back to their rooms and to their computers. And he said, but I figured out a way to get them to have dinner with me. And I was like, tell me, what did you do? And he said, well, one night I said, girls come to the kitchen and just humor me. We're going to make ratatouille over pasta. So they made the ratatouille and he brought them to the table and he said, okay, I'm putting the movie on Ratatouille and we're going to watch it and we're going to stop and start it. And we're going to, and, and he said, and we, we did that and we would stop it and say, you know, what do you, how do you think our Ratatouille compares to the Ratatouille in the film? And what do you think about this little clip? And would we have done it any different? And so on. He said, if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> um, and I just love that because, you know, the, the sort of common wisdom is you shouldn't have any technology at the table and that's going to get in the way of families really connecting. But he had this very playful way of um, a, almost a jujitsu, you know, kind of using what the kids were running away from the table to. He brought it to the table but figured out a way to help them really have a good time together. So that moment has been replayed just countless times. And I guess that's been the fun of uh, doing this work and, and the sort of surprise of it. Absolutely. What a great story. Uh, for, for those uh, in the audience who may not be familiar with the Family Dinner Project, what can they expect to find when they go to that website? There are... Um, dozens of resources that are organized by food, fun, and conversation. So they can go to the website and on the fun vertical, they can search for games by age to play at the dinner table. 
so young kids, elementary school and teenagers and older. They can find recipes um, every day. They can get an email every day with a recipe that takes 30 minutes or less um, and a game and a conversation starter to play that night. Um, or they can get a budget-friendly version where the recipe comports with SNAP and WIC guidelines. So the, uh, the meal costs $1.40 per person. Um, they could find a newsletter uh, that comes out each month um, that is organized around a theme like body positivity or how to talk to teens at the table or uh, getting back to school routines, again, with games and conversation starters and food ideas. This month, it's all about um, hosting again, having family gatherings or parties uh, again after being pretty constricted in, in how much socializing most families have been doing. Um, what else can they find? Um, they can find uh, often blogs by an expert or another. Um, uh, they can find uh, stories about families and how they're dealing with family dinner and their workarounds. Um, and they could find a four-week program, which is sort of our most intensive uh, resource where you could download for free um, what can kind of kickstart a dinner practice week by week, how to make a commitment, how to make it fun, how to make it simple, and how to make it matter. Um, and so how would you characterize then the impact of the Family Dinner Project in the time that it has existed uh, based on the feedback that you receive? So we, we have this online presence, and then we also do work um, in communities. And that's really where we measure the impact. So we, um, we host pre-pandemic hosted big community dinners where we would be invited by schools or military bases or homeless shelters or libraries to bring together anywhere from five to 50 families. And we cook together and eat together, play games, um, talk about obstacles and what families are doing to work, work around those obstacles. Um, and you know, the feedback from those is that they often did, usually did kickstart a family into uh, having new ideas about how to make it happen and feel inspired by hearing what their people in their community are doing. Um, and then we also run uh, caregiver workshops, um, do work with grandparents who are raising grandchildren um, and with parents raising kids to talk about the benefits of the family dinner and to talk about all the different ways that um, adults can help their kids open up at the dinner table because really this is the main opportunity that most families have during the day to hear what's going on in their kids' lives. And if they ask, you know, over and over again, how was school? And they all they hear back is fine. Um, you know, they're not maybe getting the most out of that dinner time. Um, so one thing we'll do in the workshops is talk about some other ways 
to get kids to talk. You know, let's go around the table and say a rose, a thorn and a bud about our day. You know, a rose was something positive, a thorn was something unpleasant or challenging, and a bud is something you hope will happen tomorrow. Um, so, you know, ideas like that or ways to help kids tell stories um, or stories that parents can tell their kids. Um, so the, the, the question you asked about impact, we do um, ask every, after every single event um, for feedback uh, survey. We survey before and after and um, about somewhere between 90 and 95% of communities find these programs valuable. And often what we hear is that um, families come saying what they wanna do is uh, make the food healthier, which is a fine goal. But they say after participating in the Family Dinner Project programs, what really has changed is that they enjoy the time around the table, connecting to each other um, and talk more, laugh more, um, that the gains are in that arena, um, which, you know, as a family therapist, that's really what I'm after anyway, um, is improving the, the connection between um, kids and adults. Absolutely. Uh, when we look at um, teens, preteens, youth, young adults, uh, and this question of the family dinner, um, and specifically the research uh, around these age groups as to the benefits of the family dinner for teens and young adults, what can you tell us about that? Yes, I mean, in some ways, teens have the most to gain from family dinner. If you think about um, how family dinner is so protective of several high-risk behaviors that teens are most susceptible to, like substance abuse and tobacco use and eating disorders and depression and anxiety. So, um, you know, I, I really try to stress when I'm seeing families in, you know, as a therapist um, to incur really encourage encourage and expect their teenagers to join them at dinner. Um, and to remember that most teens really do wanna have dinner with their families and do rate it high on their list of favorite activities of the week. Um, so it's really kind of a myth that teens would rather eat by themselves or just with their peers. So um, yeah. Dr. Ann Fischel, so many wonderful nuggets of wisdom and strategies for families to really consider. Uh, Co-founder of the Family Dinner Project, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.